Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1,144. Luck is what happens when preparation meets opportunity. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Jimmy Dinsmore. Hey, Jimmy, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I'm definitely ready, Mark. Thank you. All right. Jimmy Dinsmore is a national syndicated automotive journalist who for years has reviewed new vehicles, offering up a unique look and an interesting voice in his weekly national column titled Driver's Side. He writes from a consumer viewpoint, sharing his real world views of vehicles. Jimmy also co-authored the book Mustang by Design, published by Cartech, and it covers the 40-year career of Gail Halderman, the original designer of the first Mustang. Mustang by Design takes you on a journey from a design standpoint and features many inside stories correcting much of the misinformation surrounding this iconic pony car. And one lucky Cars Yes subscriber is going to win a copy of this book, compliments of Jimmy and Cartech Books. So listen at the end to learn how your name can be thrown in the hat. So Jimmy, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Take a brief moment, share a little more about your career and a very obvious passion that you have for automobiles. Yeah, I started in the newspaper industry where prior to my automotive history, I covered anything from real estate to schools to even sports. I believe that when you're a writer, you can write about anything. So yep. I can't say yeah, I started as an automotive minded guy, didn't you know subscribe to all the buff magazines or anything, but I found my way to being the editor of the wheel section of the Dayton Daily News uh, and a whole bunch of other Cox newspapers. And uh, with that, I started my automotive journalism career on the path that it's uh, currently on. Very cool. Very cool. We're going to learn a lot more about what you're doing now and We're, of course, going to talk about this new book about Mustangs. But first, as we continue on your journey, I always like to ask my guests for a mantra or some kind of uh, inspirational quote that you might like to share. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars. Yeah. So, Jimmy, take the wheel. Sure. Uh, It's actually uh, ironic you asked me that because I, I start off Mustang by design with an old Roman proverb that really worked great for summarizing Gail Halderman's career, but also one that I always really liked. And it says, luck is what happens when preparation meets opportunity. (laughs) Yeah, I love that saying. So many people, when they see somebody who's doing something that they wish they were doing, they say, man, you're so lucky. And I always say, you know what? Luck had very little to do with it. (laughs) It all had to do with a a whole lot of hard work. Timing is important, but if you don't have the skill or the preparation, uh, Luck's not going to help you at all. Absolutely. How has that kind of helped define you and your business and your career path? Oh, gosh. I always say I'm extremely fortunate. I have a wonderful career, 45 years old, and now here I am. I have my first national book out. Five years ago, you would have told me this was going to happen. I, I would have said, no way. It was always a goal of mine. I get to work from home now, so I get to spend more time with my family. Uh, I have a very flexible schedule. and hey. You know what? I also get a new car to drive every week and write about. Some people can say, boy, you're really lucky there, too. But I was at the right place at the right time, and I had the right skill set. 
Well, yeah, no doubt. Preparing for what came and then seeing an opportunity and jumping on it is uh, truly a part of that uh, misnomer of luck. That's for sure. So great. Well, let's uh, talk about a story that instigated your passion for cars. Now, you said you weren't writing about cars way back when, but you are now. So I'm kind of guessing you have been a car guy for a long time. Is there a pivotal moment in your life and you knew that you were going to be a car guy? That's a that's a really good question. I still don't really call myself a car guy because there are people who know a lot more about the history, who know a lot more about the engines. Uh, what I always say is, I'm a car guy like everybody's a car guy. Who doesn't appreciate a great car? Like when you see something on the road that catches your eye or you hear the growl of an engine. I mean, even if you're not a quote unquote car person, you're going to take notice of that. And that's kind of what I do for a living now. I bring that kind of mentality, like the everyman mentality. Not, I'm not, you know, Mr. Goodrich. I'm not a mechanic. I'm definitely not an automotive historian, although maybe I am now a Mustang historian. Yes. Um, so that's really kind of the mentality I have. I, I never would call myself a quote unquote car guy because there's so many more people out there that know way more than I do. Well, I always tell people, if you have a passion for cars, you are a car guy or a car gal. As long as you have a passion or an interest and you want well, to be I around them, have that you want to be involved. That's yeah, I sure. kind, of kind of figured that you did. Well, let's take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and talk about a big challenge or a failure that you face along the way. These are wonderful learning opportunities for us. Um, I always say if you're going to fail, fail forward. So at least when you get up, you're a little bit further down the road. Walk us through one of those experiences, if you would, and tell us how it helped you move forward and what you learned from it. Well, since I'm not the quote-unquote car guy, one of my first cars I reviewed uh, was a BMW 6 Series, I believe. In my review, you know, I cover all the all the talking points and everything, but I called their engine a V6 engine. Well, obviously, BMWs don't have a V6. They have a straight six. Yep. And oh my goodness, did the Beamer family out there let me, the still wet behind the ears automotive writer, have it. And I deserved yeah. it. I wasn't accurate. I should have done better research. And from that, I learned a very valuable lesson that, you know, you should always reread and then triple check what you're about to put out there. Because once it's out there, it's out there. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I'll tell you, car enthusiasts, they'll let you know when you tripped up. That's for sure, which is a good thing. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. So, you know, aside from from what you learned with that lesson, I know that you write stories now for kind of everyday car people. You do reviews on cars. You get to drive a different car every week. I'm kind of jealous. That'd be pretty cool to do. What are some of the ways you take those lessons forward from that one article when you write your reviews today? Well, my column is called driver's side. So I kind of look at it as you're giving it a test drive. You're, you're on the car lot. You're about to spend your harder money on buying this car. Is this a car you would consider buying. And of course, it's a very subjective process as it is. So I kind of just inform you on everything that the average person is going to know and take note of. So, you know, how does the car drive? How does it feel? You know, are there little quirks to it? Is the infotainment system intuitive? Is it hard to set a preset channel? I mean, some of the things that a lot of people overlook, I kind of focus on. Additionally, I have a disability. So I have some mobility issues. So I kind of also bring that viewpoint into everything. Mm. And how is the car able to, can you get in and out of the car easy? You know, is it comfortable to sit in? 
you know, doesn't present any other issues regarding mobility concerns, like, you know, cargo space, trunk space, things like that. I see. Very cool. Very cool. Well, it's cool. interesting to bring a situation that you're faced with into your writing to help some people, because most people don't think about those things uh, from someone else's perspective. They only think about theirs, but if there's going to be other people in the family using it or whatever it might be, I'm sure it adds an interesting element. Now, how about taking this question into the area of this book that you wrote, Mustang by Design, where there's some big challenges you faced when you were putting this book together and writing it? Oh, my goodness. There were a, a ton. I mean, I, I had never written a book, so that was challenge number one. I didn't know what I didn't know, as, as people say. I was very fortunate that I had developed a friendship and relationship with Gail Halderman, who is the designer of the original Ford Mustang, uh, his cousin, James Halderman, was co-author on this book with me. And he, James Halderman, is a mentor in my life. He's been a guiding force uh, throughout my career, offering sage advice in many ways. He's definitely a car guy through and through. So I've learned a lot about the industry. I learned a lot of technical information. And as Jim always likes to say, he teaches me a lot of miscellaneous, useless information regarding <laughs> cars. So through him, I met his cousin, Gail, and developed an immediate friendship. Gail read my car reviews in the Dayton Daily News. So he said he really liked the way I presented my reviews. And we struck up that friendship. And he agreed to let me write this book about his life because I felt he had a story that needed to be told. There's a lot of mythology out there about the Mustang, misinformation. And so having a guy who's 86 years old, who was there working alongside Lee Iacocca and Henry Ford II, who can really say, no, that isn't what really happened. I found that that was really what made this book special. Very cool. And to be able to have told Gail's story and his feedback on the book has been tremendous. He's so thrilled with the outcome. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I always ask my guests about an aha moment where I would assume you probably had a lot of aha moments writing this book about Mustangs and Gale. Uh, can you share maybe one or two of those things that really made you go, whoa, I, I would have never known that? What I like to say is, I mean, Lee Iacocca is rightfully credited as being the father of the Mustang. And for sure, his passion and enthusiasm, I mean, he drove that project. But there was his right-hand man who is in the Mustang Hall of Fame, but really doesn't get the credit he deserves. And his name is Hal Spurlick. And I, through this book, I also struck up a friendship with Hal. And I would love to maybe tell Hal's story in the future as well. My aha moment is just hanging on every word of Hal Spurlick, who at age 89, I think, is as sharp and bright as anybody still today in the automotive industry. He was credited with the Mustang. He was credited with the front wheel drive escort. He was credited with the minivan when he moved to Chrysler. I mean, the man has touched so many automotive icons. He just doesn't get the credit he deserves. And he and Gail had a very strong friendship and mutual respect for each other. So my aha moment was all about how Hal Sperling broke down the Mustang and how that project truly came to fruition. And it's basically... Without the Ford Falcon, that car would have never, ever been made. Hal said one night, he was crunching the numbers and said, there it is. This is how we're going to do it. And it had 90% of the car had to be based off the Falcon in order to make the numbers 
in order to get it to job one. Yeah, well, it's an interesting fact. I was at a car show this past weekend, and there was a Falcon sitting there next to a Mustang. And I was talking to a young man. He's about 12 years old. His name's Tyler. Really loves Ford automobiles. Had a big Ford on his shirt. And uh, I, ma- I made the comment. I said, man, pretty amazing how that this Mustang came from the Falcon. And a lot of times you say that to people and they go, what are you talking about? Well, this young man, he knew everything. I mean, he started telling me stuff I didn't know about. Oh, yeah, well, of course, they had to do that because blah, blah, blah. I'm like, wow, you've you've done a lot of homework. So, well, those are two gentlemen I would love. Uh, hopefully, I can get an introduction from you to have those two gentlemen on the show because it'd be great to have their perspectives as well. Because usually it's the guys at the top and the ivory towers who get their names attached to things, but there's so many designers and manufacturers and engineers and people that are really a key part of making these cars come to fruition. And I had a 66 Mustang for a while. It was just an awesome car. Everybody loves the Mustang. It's kind of like a beetle. When people see them, they just kind of smile. So very, very cool. Well, let's talk about you and your first really special car. Go back in time and cheer maybe that first car that you had that had great memories for you. Ah, my first vehicle that I bought with my hard-earned money was a Ford F-Series pickup truck. And it wasn't anything special, but it was mine. And, you know, of course, being an 18-year-old, I, you know, ripped out the stereo and I put in a souped-up stereo with that, you know, a multiple CD changer, which, of course, was all the craze at that time. And I put in some amps. And, I mean, I had a a very bumping stereo system. Me and my, my best friend, we would just go driving through the country and you know that was that was my truck i earned it it was that was my vehicle i I'll always remember it was it was really ugly it was like a brown <laughs> pink color interior wasn't anything special but that truck will always have a special place in my heart and it's ironic because i just signed a second book contract now with cartech and the topic is of course the ford f-series so kind of how it, it's funny how it all comes full circle so yeah, absolutely. Look forward to that one for sure. Well, how about a vehicle you let go that you wish you had backed? Is there a seller's remorse story in your life? <sighs> I don't have a brand loyalty. I don't even really have like a special car that uh, other than that truck that really gives me the the warm fuzzies. I mean, I I floated all around from family vehicles to you know just little beater cars. So I, I can't really say that there's one that I wish I had back. I mean. Uh, I guess my dream car is still, you know, I want to own a Corvette, even though here I wrote a Mustang book, but the Corvette has always been near and dear to my heart. So uh, at some point, I hope to get like a collector grade version of a Corvette. Well, Mustang by Design, this book that you wrote, uh, maybe you could share a story or two that got you really excited about this project, either got you excited to do the project. Or while you were doing the project, really got you fired up and said, wow, this is a pretty cool thing. Share with us a little bit what our readers might discover when they get their hands on Mustang by Design. Yeah, so it's very well known that Henry Ford II had no interest in this car, didn't want any part of it, had still been burned by the failure of the Etzel. So every time Iacocca brought up the mention of, the, of, of this new car, which wasn't even called a Mustang then, Henry Ford shot him down. So. Finally, he got a very lukewarm agreement to at least proceed with something. So it it moved to the design studios. And Gail Halderman was one of the designers who 
had 10 days. They had 10 days to create a sketch. 10? And clay models. 10. Just 10 days. That's ridiculous. (laughs) They had 10 days to create the sketch and the clay models that would be presented for approval. Wow. So, I mean, that that fact alone just blew my mind. Like, are you kidding me? Like 10 days? So they worked night and day, night and day. And Gail literally sketched the design that became the Ford Mustang at 2 a.m. on his kitchen table at his house. Wow. And then, you know, they go in. They didn't even have the front design yet. They didn't have the back design yet. They went to work in the design studio with the very talented clay modelers out there. And they started, you know, sculpting it out. And literally, they didn't have a sketch really to work off of for that front end. And it was Gail and his boss, Gene Bordenay, who sat there and worked with with the sculptors and said, okay, let's do this and let's put that there. And then finally, the finished product was the one that Lee Iacocca approved, which of course was Gail's sketch with that side scoop on the side and the three taillights, you know, are still prominent today on the Mustang. Yeah. Wow. It's almost like they set them up to fail. Like, well, you have 10 days. Hope you can make me happy. See you later. Bye. For sure. It was an afterthought. And even Gail admits in the book, like at that time, this was just a, a, a side project. It wasn't, you know, they were busy designing Falcons and, and, you know, Fords and Lincolns. Like, I mean, this was literally just, you know, do it when you can, squeeze it in when you can. And then as far as the fastback goes, Gail wanted the fastback to be the Mustang all along. Like they had the fastback basically designed, sculpted and sketched all along, but they didn't want to go too far too fast. So they held it back a little bit. And then once the, the original Mustang got approved, right maybe a month or two after that, they then show Lee Iacocca the fastback and Iacocca, you know, his cigar starts twirling and he's like, oh my gosh, we have to do this one too. So then the fastback came right in behind it. And and the fastback is really how Gail wanted the Mustang to look all along anyway. Well, of course. And then of course they come out with the convertible on top of it. So they've got three models that are just Really appealing to a, a pretty broad, wide variety. And um, who would have thought that that car would have hit the way it hit and then stayed with us to this day? And even the cars you see today are so much like the old cars in so many ways. I can't think of hardly any other car marks except for maybe the Porsche 911 that has essentially stayed the same for decades and decades and decades. Well, it did go a little bit off the rails with the Mustang, too, and then kind of went... Yeah. Way well, off the rails with a Fox body. But then, of course, it got a lot more muscular, a lot more powerful, uh, which then still, you know, uh, appealed to the enthusiasts. And now, you know, it's come right back around to, to stay more true to its original form. But if you think about with the news that Ford recently announced of basically eliminating their car line here in the near future, the only vehicle, the only car left standing uh, under the Blue Oval is the Mustang. And there's a reason why. It's so iconic. It's so part of Ford's history. It's so part of automotive history. Right. Yeah. Well, when they announced that, at first I thought it was a joke. I thought, oh, this is some more social media fake news. I can't believe Ford would stop making all their cars, especially the Mustang. But I'm so glad that they're going to keep that one around. Yeah. How can you let that one go? Yeah. Thankfully, they're not. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Well, here's a very introspective question for you, Jimmy. If you woke up tomorrow and you were a vehicle, what would you be and why? I think I would be an Audi R8. Oh, wow. The reason is there was, I spent a week in that car and my goodness, did I feel special in that car? Everybody, I'm driving down the highway 
and out from windows come cell phones recording or taking a picture <laughs> of the car. But yeah. when I'm at a red light, everybody's like, floor it, let me hear it, let me hear it. And I mean, if I was going to be a car, I'd want to be something that's going to be eye-catching and that everybody's paying attention to. Yeah, the RDR, Audi R8 is a fantastic vehicle. So, Jimmy, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. Do you know the best way to protect your vehicle, both the exterior and the interior, is with a car cover? I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. That's right, 1975. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft has been manufacturing premium quality exterior and interior covers for over 50 years with a stellar reputation for durability and design. They're the world's largest manufacturer of custom-patterned vehicle covers that are crafted to fit over 80,000 patterns and growing. They are the only cover I'll put on my vehicles. You can choose from a wide variety of fabrics, styles, colors, and more. From full cover designs for factory to custom-made vehicles, plus convertible top covers, trucks, truck cab coolers, motorcycles, scooters, ATVs, trailers, campers, personal watercraft, and a wide variety of custom features. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark sent you. That's Covercraft.com. What's every automotive enthusiast dream? To design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. They will create the coolest custom garage for you and your vehicles. Metron Garage's system features fully engineered commercial-grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction. With over 25 years of experience, you'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Garages built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true. Okay, Jimmy, we're back and we're entering the last lap. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Not to give anybody any automotive advice. <laughs> now, this is very odd coming from someone who writes stories about cars. You're going to have to clarify that a little bit. Why on earth would you say that? Well, you know how many times people ask me, what car should I buy? And then I get down to the details of what they're exactly looking for. And I'll give them advice of, well, here's, here's what I've driven. And here's what I like about these and what I don't like about these. And then they get the one that I say they probably shouldn't have gotten. So <laughs> I stopped giving automotive advice because it, it, it truly is subjective. And honestly, I only look at at cars from, I get brand new cars. And really, they're all really, really, really good. So yeah. I don't have a crystal ball. So I can't say in five years that your car is going to still be functioning the way you want it to function. And I don't want to be held responsible. <laughs> there you go. What comes to mind is my past guest, Spike Ferriston, who had a TV show called Car Matchmaker, where he would match people up with their vehicles. He actually did a really awesome job. He matched me up with a car that I think is a good match. But uh, 
Yeah, it's uh, it's tough. People will ask you as a car guy, what should I get? And I think the thing is to let them decide, but ask them a lot of great questions so they can come to the conclusion by themselves uh, versus steering them down a path that may not be the right road. Now, how about a personal habit that you believe has contributed to your many successes? Uh, it's definitely the work ethic that my father instilled in me from a very young age. I mean, even when I had my very first job at a fast food restaurant, like, I'm a young teenager there and I, you know, I don't want to go into work. Well, you're going to go into work. You go to work, you give it everything you got every single day. So now that, you know, I'm very fortunate to be able to work from home and I have numerous clients. I have to set my own schedule. It takes a lot of self-motivation. I don't think a lot of people could be successful doing what I do because you've got to be very driven and very self-motivated. Absolutely. Now, how about a resource? There are wonderful resources out there for all of us enthusiasts these days. Is there one in particular you'd like to share? Um, so, like, when I'm doing, like, car research, I really like the organization of U.S. News and the, the way they do their cars. And I'm a little biased. I used to do some writing for them. But I just really like the way they organize everything. And they, they drop in some of the other car reviews and blurbs from there. It's just a really clean, easy way to organize the numerous car reviews that are out there. Cool. Now, if I could arrange for you to sit down and have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would that person be? Uh, I, I want to talk to Lee Iacocca, but I want to talk to Lee Iacocca lucid. Unfortunately, Lee is extremely ill with Parkinson's and is no longer able to really function and, and talk to anybody. And I wish I could have talked to him for this book and to, to get his input on a Mustang and just everything else, but it's not meant to be. So I wish I could, you know, talk to Lee Iacocca from maybe 10 years ago. Back in time. Yeah, that would be fantastic. I would enjoy that myself. Well, how about a book? Uh, obviously, Mustang by Design, the book that you've published with CarTech is a great book, a great read. We encourage all the listeners out there to get their hands on that. But is there another book you'd like to share with us you think our listeners would enjoy reading? Um, there were, there's two. So I, I read the cars of Harley Earl, uh, which was a, a, another car tech book. And that one was really interesting. Uh, Harley Earl, you know, a lot, most people know who he is, but just his perspective and kind of his personality that was reflected in that book was sort of an inspiration for what I did with Gail. Obviously they're two extremely different personalities. Um, and then John Clore had two amazing Ford Mustang books. John works for Ford Performance, and John actually wrote the foreword for me for Mustang by Design and provided a whole bunch of his personal archive photos that helped me make this book happen. So John's two Mustang books are also must-reads for anybody who is a Mustang enthusiast. Absolutely. Well, listeners, you can find links to all these great resources Jimmy has shared on his Cars yeah show notes page. Just go to CarsYeah.com, type in Jimmy Dinsmore, D-I-N-S-M-O-R-E. And that page will pop right up and you can get your hands on his book. All right. We're up to the checkered flag here, Jimmy. And this last question could be a bit of a doozy. Today, I'm going to buy you any cool car in the world. couple rules to this game, though. It's got to be somewhat of a collector car, but I want you to drive it. No garage queens here. You can't sell it to buy a bunch of other toys with. So that tricks off the table. But mostly, I want you to take the car out and enjoy it and drive it. And like I said, I'll buy you anything you'd like. So. What's it going to be? It's the split-window Corvette for me. So, 63? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Well, uh, yeah, nice And I car. would definitely drive it. Don't get me wrong. I, 
I, if I ever had a collector car, it wouldn't be sitting in a garage. Cars are meant to be driven. So, Well, good. I like your attitude. What color would you like that Corvette to be? Red. Red. <laughs> red. The way he says that. Red, of course. Why even bother asking me, Mark? It's got to be red. I mean, Prince wrote a song about it, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Absolutely. Very nicely done. Well, Jimmy, you've taken me on a great ride today. I've really enjoyed your stories. I want to thank you for sharing your automotive journey. Would you offer us a little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you rip off into the sunset in that 63 split window Corvette? Always believe in yourself and chase your dreams. Uh, Like I said, I'm 45 and I've got my first book out. I never thought that that would have happened. Five years ago, I, I was leaving the newspaper world and I thought my world was ending and really the world became my oyster and life has been incredible over the last five years. And it's because I believed in myself and never never took getting knocked down as anything but a a challenge to get back up. There you go. Nicely said. And what's the best way for our listeners to follow along with you and also to get their hands on a copy of Mustangs by Design? So I'm really active on social media. Definitely find me on Twitter. Uh, My handle is at driver's side. So it's two S's there in the middle. I'm also on Instagram under the same username. You can see the cars that I'm uh, currently driving and talking about on Twitter and on Instagram. I also have a Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash driver side Jimmy. So on there, I always post uh, whatever, whatever I'm driving. And I like to engage my readers and, and say, Hey, what do you guys think about this and weigh in on, on what I've got? And if you have any questions, I'll try to help answer those as well. There you go. Well, listeners, again, you can find links to all these places to find Jimmy Dinsmore on his Cars Yeah show notes page. And as I said at the beginning, one lucky Cars Yeah subscriber is going to win a copy of this book. All you have to do is go to my website, carsyeah.com, click on the free book button. I'll send you my free filler-up book, and your name will be in the hat to win a copy of Mustang by Design, a fantastic book published by CarTech, written, of course, by Jimmy Dismar. Jimmy, thanks for being so generous today with your time, your expertise, and for sharing your experiences with the listeners and with me. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thanks, Mark. You're welcome. You take care of your cars, but who takes care of your investments? Tune-ups aren't just for engines. Updating your financial plan is important, too. Your GPS may take you from A to B, but it won't help you on the road to financial freedom. For that, you need a good co-pilot and a very trusted advisor. Chris Kimball, CFP, is just the man for the job. He'll guide you down that road without driving you crazy. For over 25 years, Chris has helped people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. With a master's degree in financial services, he is eminently qualified. And he's a car guy, too. Learn more at chrisvkimball.com or call 866-ON-A-PLAN. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member FINRA SIPC. CK Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!